How good are you at turning off? Not very good. <laughs> I'm always working. I'm very bad at turning off, to be completely honest, because once I've, I was on a roll working or something, I had a very hard time letting myself relax or go. If I had any free time, I honestly felt guilty. Turning off is very difficult. I think it's important to acknowledge that not everybody can just turn off. <laughs> I don't really like working that hard for that long. I chose this path because I wanted to be in control of my time. There is no room for excess money and for extra hard work that doesn't need to be done. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Kelly Martin, and you're listening to Making It Work, made possible by FedEx. In this podcast, we lift the lid on life as a company owner. With tough questions put to some of America's brightest entrepreneurs, we reveal the truth about bootstrapping a business. From the pressure to innovate to dealing with online trolls, making it work leaves no stone unturned. In this episode, we'll be tackling time management. Should you be working around the clock, or is it time to axe that agenda and start taking some time for yourself? Asking the questions is Tom Scallon. I propose that for 2021, we make a joint New Year's resolution to take things a little easier. After all, 2020 was for most tough and for some traumatic, and for everyone, put a lot into perspective. There was no one who found last year more difficult and anxiety-inducing than small businesses. Whether they'd seen trade plummet or increase off the charts, the chances are entrepreneurs were working longer hours regardless. And that's no mean feat, especially if you spend every waking hour working as it is. The only option for some entrepreneurs is to create time by optimizing their processes and streamlining their schedules, often to the nth degree. The question is, how do you do it? And when is it time for me time? Let's check in with Dahlia Rizek, who found a window in her diary to talk to us about this very subject. Dahlia is based in New Hampshire and started her company, Buckle Me Baby Coats, in 2017. She designs and sells crash-tested coats that can be safely used in a car seat. I started by asking her, as a single mom of three, how she manages to run a business on her own. I don't watch a lot of TV. Well, I, th I think we're done here. Thanks, Dahlia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that what you're talking about is boundaries, right? And I laugh a little because what I'm about to tell you is a lot of poor boundaries. But my work and my life, they all sort of go hand in hand. I would be, especially year one and year two, I'd be up shipping in my kitchen till 11 o'clock at night. You know, I'm shipping while I'm watching a show with the kids or they're playing a game and I'm working through customer service emails. You know, it's something I do all the time. It's not something I could do all the time forever, but it's something I'm doing all the time now. It's not a nine to five job. You know, and I know there are people out there that'll say you need to turn it off at a certain time. But if you've got a company that's growing fast and, and you want to scale it, you need to answer people when they're asking the question, especially with something like social media as a main platform, which is what my main platform is. You know, if somebody jumps in the comments with something really negative or something really inflammatory and you don't respond to them until... 12 hours later because you turn it off at five and you don't turn it back on again until nine, you've now got um, a wildfire that's hard to contain. Whereas if you answer them when it happens, um, you not only may win over the person who had that inflammatory comment, but you also win over every single person who watched how you handled it. And that's actually feedback that I get all the time, both privately through people who will message me 
Or sometimes they'll message it in the comments as well. Like, you know, I don't know who's running your customer service. Somehow I've got them all fooled thinking it's a lot of a big company. It's just when it's just me. But they're like, I don't know who ans- who does your customer service for you. But the way you respond to people is wonderful. And, and I'm buying a coat from you just because of the way you respond. The thing is, I really, really love what I'm doing. So to me, if I had to choose between like 17 different things and what can I be doing, this is what I would choose to do. I have found ways to make life a little bit easier as a single person business. Uh, For example, I found this app called Gorgeous that integrates with Shopify, and it actually integrates all my messages from every platform into one app, and it calls those messages tickets, and you could set up macros to answer the tickets. So, you know, you probably spend the first two weeks using it, setting up the macros with anything you know is going to be a repetitive question. And it's taken my responses to customer service questions across platforms from something that used to take maybe three, four hours in my day to maybe half an hour a day. You could perhaps use that ticketing system to answer regular questions from your kids as well. Like, can I have a cookie? (laughs) Yeah, I wish there was a macro for that. So the best way to ensure you get some free time or at least time with your kids is to fight fires when they happen. I find that that's that's the case. That's a really good way to put it. You know, if I was working like nine to five and I say this is my job and outside of that and I let the fire burn, it's going to be a train wreck for me. But if I'm just constantly monitoring it all day and I keep up with it and make sure that I put out the fires before they become fires, then I do have time to sit down and play a game with my kids or watch a movie with them or go out somewhere. You know, we were out all day yesterday um, and I'm not really too worried about it, but I am... It's just an integrated part of my life that I'm constantly working on all the time. There's not a time where I'm technically off. Your kids weren't very young when you started the company. Would it have been something very different to take on if you'd had a toddler, for instance? I don't think I could have. I don't think it was possible to do what I'm doing if I had a... The children at that age are so demanding. And Buckle Me Baby Coats is similarly demanding. You know, so um, I do know I do know a lot of other entrepreneurs that have really young babies and they're doing what I'm doing, but they also have a different family system and different kinds of supports in their life so that they can juggle those things. How good are you at turning off? Not very good. <laughs> I'm always working. But again, I really, really, really enjoy what I do. And that makes all the difference. You know, I... Um, I used to work for Merrill Lynch a long time ago. It was my first, one of my first jobs out of college. And I never liked that job. And it was a nine to five job. And I felt every millisecond of that job. And I can't say that I feel every millisecond of this job. You know, it's just, there's always something exciting happening. There's something enjoyable happening. And there's always something new around the corner. Why do you think entrepreneurs in general are so bad at turning off. Again, I I think that goes back to your definition of turning off, right? So when I was working for Merrill, I really looked forward to five five o'clock or six o'clock. I was ready to be done with the day, not think about work or accounting or jumbo 401ks at all until the next day I walked into the building, you know? But with the coats, I think about the coats in the car and I think about the coats when I'm sleeping and I think about the coats when I'm sitting with family because not because I have to, but because it's just a topic I enjoy. I enjoy 
creating ads. I enjoy pulling that message through to families. I enjoy educating on winter car seat safety, whether or not people actually buy my coats. So I think when there's a subject that just really deeply matters to you, it's not about on or off and that you could choose to turn off. It's just, it's what you like. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but it doesn't mean you can't burn out. Um, I know what burnout feels like, and I don't feel that way. I think that it depends on how you want to spend your time. So, you know, if you are going from task to task to task and everything is a fire, right? Because I was talking about fires earlier. Everything's a fire and everything is a crisis. It is super stressful, right? When you talk about turning off, I think the assumption is that off is relaxing and on is stressful, right? But for me, I'm the kind of person who actually finds doing nothing to be more stressful than doing something. So for me, I can't speak for all entrepreneurs, but for me, I don't find what I'm doing to be leading towards burnout. I know when I'm close, I'm grumpy, I'm not sleeping as much as I should be, I'm not exercising as much, not taking care of myself. All of those activities that are like self-care activities were just way, way down. Um, But on a normal day, yes, I have a list. Yes, I have a lot of things that I need to get through. But again, there's flexibility. Those things can happen or they don't have to happen. It's just my target goal. There's no burnout really associated with it because at the end of the day, that's not the end of the world. If I don't do these things, it's more that I want to. It very much sounds like if you do something you enjoy, you'll never work a day in your life kind of thing. That's, I think that's really very true. You know, if you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. It's what you prefer to be doing. According to Dahlia, if you enjoy what you do, it doesn't matter that you work round the clock. In fact, if you don't want issues to escalate, it's pretty non-negotiable, unless you're negotiating with Nick Hawks. His San Diego-based company, Paleo Treats, has been making paleo-friendly desserts for over a decade. He doesn't care that you could sell more brownies if you worked longer hours, claiming there are more important things in life than sitting at his computer all day. More important things like paragliding. Let's hear what a typical day looks like for a self-confessed, work-shy entrepreneur. Day in life is um, get up, carry the dog out. She, her back legs don't work, so she'll pee on the floor if I don't get her outside. She goes outside, we walk around the garden watering the plants together. Um, I'm with a watering can, she's just using her internal mechanism. And then um, stretch, walk dogs, make coffee, lift, depending on kind of what the day is. And then sit down, write in the journal for a little bit, just get some creative juices flowing and check in on what's going on in in the the world of the internet. So kind of plug my face into the computer for a couple hours, come up for air around noon, and then sometime around, depending on the season, um, one to four o'clock, I'll break off and grab, uh, grab my paraglider and go out to the mountains about 25 minutes east of us and go fly a paraglider a couple times a week. It's a pretty awesome series of Groundhog Days. I really like it. It, it does sound like you compartmentalize your day with astounding efficiency. <laughs> yeah, it, I think some of that comes, a lot of that comes from just being super selfish is that I know what works for me. Um, I know what I really like and I just don't care what other people want. It's like, hey, this is this is what's going to work the best for me. And if you don't like it, then as long as as it's functional, you know, I look at it objectively. Like, I haven't gone bankrupt, or I don't, you know, I'm not seventy thousand in the hole every day all the time. Then what I'm doing is working. I'm just going to keep on doing it. And you know, if you want to get a hold of me at five o'clock, it's just not going to happen because I'm going to be in the air with my phone turned off. 
some entrepreneurs working 14 hour days or more might say that you're not working hard enough. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I don't really like working that hard for that long. I think it's, I chose this path because I wanted to be in control of my time. Um, I chose this path knowing that I might also be, and I will make it a goal to be in control of money in general and financial kind of life in general, but also knowing like, hey, that's a little bit dependent on luck. But the important thing to me was being in control of my time. And so that means that I get to write when I'm the most creative, the most you know ready to write. I get to pack boxes when I'm ready to pack boxes and just do kind of mindless work. And I get to go fly when I want to fly. I get to spend time with my wife when it's you know my time to sit down and, and kind of just enjoy a conversation with her or uh, a meal with her. And I get to plug into the internet and, and surf around and look for the weird stuff that I'm into. I'm at the end of the day when I'm I'm most receptive to learning new things. And so I think for people who are saying like, oh, you're not working hard enough. Yeah, that's that's not my goal is to work as hard as possible. My goal is to have as joyful life as possible. And I think I got it pretty wired. Could you sell more brownies and make more money if you worked longer hours? Oh, totally. We could sell more. I think we could be, if we were serious about, about the number side of the business, we could be way more profitable, but it would cost us, it would cost me so much in joy and time that I don't think it's worth it. In my experience, folks will start a business because they want to be in control of their money and their time and maybe their happiness, but mostly their money. And that's the reason they start. Every so often they start because it's this super strong calling and they can't do anything else. But most of the time, in my experience, people start start their own business because they want more money. And that's a fine reason to start a business. You, you can certainly make way more money running your own show than you can working for other people, although it's far less guaranteed. And so when I think about why you start a business or what you're doing or how you're running it or how profitable it, it should be, there's a question behind that is, what are you doing with your life? You've got, let's say you've got 80 years on the planet. Those 80 years are yours to spend as you want. You don't always get all of them. Um, Sometimes you get you get snuffed out a little bit early, but you can guarantee on average, you know, in, in the Western world and let's say the States that you've got just under 80 years to live. So you've got to think and you've got to be very clear on what you're going to do with those 80 years because you're going to come to the end of them at some point. And, you know, in your last minutes, you get to look back and say, hey, did I use those in the way that I should have? Did I Was that the best use of my time? And the answer, I think, will always be in some degree like, nope, I missed that opportunity or I didn't quite do that or I should have done this. You know, there's just so much in the world to do. There's so much joy to have. There's so many experiences to experience that there's no way you're going to get to all of it. So there'll always be a little bit of regret. But the way I think about living this life is to have as little regret as possible at the end of the day. And if that means that you know, we don't make a million dollars selling brownies, but I get to spend 150 hours a year flying. To me, a, a flying a paraglider, that, that's not even a, a, a question whether that's a good trade-off. You know, that, of course I'm going to fly a paraglider. What can I do with a million dollars? Like, what are you doing on the planet? Why are you here? And I, I don't believe in God. I don't have a really religious thing. I've, I've got maybe much more of like just a, a direct spiritual connection to nature. 
And I look at, I'm here to be as joyful as I can, to do as much beneficial good as I can, to do as little harm as possible, and, and to experience as deeply and intensely and as widely everything that I can on the planet. And, and that's why I'm here. And in that equation, there is no room for excess money and for extra hard work that doesn't need to be done. Are you not speaking from a bit of a privileged position here? Because if you're just starting out and you're not taking a salary, it's a little bit different, isn't it? There's a lot more to worry about. Yeah, look, I'm privileged in general. I, I was born into circumstances I didn't choose, I didn't ask for, I didn't pick. I was born a white American male in America to an upper middle class family. Like I won out of the gate. I had every single, I've had every single, you know, kind of benefit you could have. I got given an awful, awful lot. So every time I speak, it's it's from this kind of privileged point of view. Um but I think what you're speaking about as far as privilege is, hey, you've been in business for 11 years, you're you're kind of you're paying yourself. You know, are you are you thinking that everyone should start off this way? And I, I look at it in this way: is that if you're going to go into business, and one of your goals, um, as one of ours is, is to make money, then you've got to pay attention to that. If you, you know, go from let's say an engineering job making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and you're like, I'm going to quit and sell, you know, buttons on the internet. If you just quit and sell buttons on the internet without thinking about it or preparing for it or trying it or you know learning anything about it, you're an idiot and you you know deserve to lose all the money you're going to lose by being an idiot. But if on the other hand you're like, "Hey, I really want to do this thing. I'm sick of being an engineer. I don't like making widgets. I want to sell buttons. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to learn how to start a little thing on the side and I want to grow it. My intent is to transition over to a, a button seller." That seems like Man, how could how could you go wrong with that? You're you're going to figure out whether it works or not and it will be very clear to you when it's time to quit. You're listening to Making It Work. Coming up. I think that turning off is very difficult. I think it's important to acknowledge that not everybody can just turn off. <laughs> I'm very bad at turning off to be completely honest because once I've, I was on a roll working or something, I had a very hard time letting myself relax or go. If I had any free time, I honestly felt guilty. Are there sometimes situations that are a bit like, you do it, no, you do it, no, you do it? Yeah, sometimes you feel like, you know, you're the one that's doing all the work. But I think that comes from the amount of overwhelming responsibilities that you have as a business owner. It just feels like too much sometimes. We have to plan interviews for making it work pretty far in advance. We have to reschedule, cut short, start late, and sometimes even cancel. It's only when you try to talk with busy, busy people that you look at your own agenda and realize how you've got it easy. After spending the past couple of years speaking with some of the most time-poor people in America, I've learned that entrepreneurship involves creating novel ways to manage your schedule. And our next entrepreneur has got this down to a fine art. Kat Samagia started her business Locker Lifestyle out of her dorm room in 2016. This Chicago-based company makes wrist wallets so you can carry essentials when you're at a festival or working out. Juggling her business, college studies, social life and tennis practice taught Kat to be creative with time management. Her solution? Breaking up her day into 30-minute chunks. I chatted to her for around half a chunk on this very subject. In college, when I first started the business, I managed my time and had to pick between how much time I want to spend with class, homework, tennis practice, working out, friends, 
social life and running the business all in every single day. I, I dealt with that. And so I used to plan my days in 30 minute increments. I had a timesheet that started at 530 AM when I would get up for tennis practice and typically ended around 11 PM because I would have some night classes that would go from six to 9 PM. And then when I would get home, I would either respond to emails or be shipping orders or going through stock, talking with manufacturers because China is up at, you know, we started with international manufacturing and they're up when we're all about to go to sleep. So I was very particular if I needed these certain things done. I was made a to-do list. And one of my favorite tricks is if I had a list of, let's say, 20 or 30 things, I would number them from one through 30 in order of importance, one being the most important. So I wouldn't move on to task three, for example, if I didn't finish task two. And that forced me to work through the hard things first, prioritize a lot better, and I became way more efficient in what I was trying to accomplish. Do you think people who are more organized make better entrepreneurs or it's entrepreneurship that that teaches you to manage your time better? I think that qualities of high-level entrepreneurs are those who are, and there's some people who they're absolute creative geniuses and they have no organization and their mind's just an absolute cluster of, you know, everything and anything. But I think successful entrepreneurs have that ability to focus, prioritize their time, the ability to say no to things. Because as an entrepreneur, you do get a lot of opportunities, but is it the right time? Is it the right opportunity? You have to know when to say no and also say no in certain socialist situations. Like I sacrificed a lot of being with my friends and going out and even opportunities in tennis to be able to manage the business. So by understanding sacrifice, that's an important element too that some people don't realize. How did the segmenting your day into 30-minute time slots come about? So when I wanted to break up my day, I was kind of making myself crazy as in, oh my gosh, I need to do all these things. It was really overwhelming. And then when I started prioritizing tasks, one through whatever, for priorities, I realized that, okay, I actually needed to leave. Typical practice transit time was 30 minutes. I had class, whether it was, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half of class. So a lot of what I was doing, or even like lunch breaks, were in 30 minute breaks originally. And if I had a phone call or a meeting with someone for, for business, that was also in 30 minutes. So by blocking out in 30 minutes, I can either, I can make that, you know, turn into an hour and a half or two hours very easily. But by creating those smaller blocks, I was able to more easily manage the other smaller things that I had to do, whether it was from travel time to studying and things like that. It, it helped me transition from one portion to the other. I guess then there's a certain gratification in, in finishing your task in under 30 minutes then. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was almost kind of like a game. Like I love checklists because when I cross that off, that is one of the most satisfying things that that I could do. So, I mean, to to a point, it's like it's a feeling of accomplishment of, you know, always trying to be ahead, but by kind of giving my time some buffer, it's like, you know what? I actually finished early. I'm going to go. I would even take 15 minutes whether I read or I listened to a podcast. Or I even took 15 extra minutes to just kind of organize my stock. That kind of helped ground me. How good are you at turning off? 
I'm very bad at turning off, to be completely honest, because once I I was on a roll working or something, I had a very hard time, you know, letting myself relax or go because my mind, 99% of the day was on the business. Oh, I should be doing this. And if I had any free time, I honestly felt guilty. I got a very hard time relaxing and, and not being in doing things that were business related. Like it took a lot of friends and family to say, okay, it's finally time to let's go out and do something on a Friday night instead of you shipping orders. Um, otherwise I wouldn't really force myself to do that because I, I love doing the business, but it definitely was exhausting. And and my brain doesn't really turn off that side as easily. Why do you think entrepreneurs in general are so bad at turning off? That's something I'm I'm still working on. And I do know a lot of entrepreneurs who have a hard time turning off. And I, I think that's because if you are so passionate about something, it really is so consuming. Like I'm never not thinking about my business and what I want to do and where I want to go with it. And also that's to the point of this business is being an entrepreneur. There's no, you know, fixed income. There is no, it's, it's very uncertain. And there's so many elements that can change that, you know, you're also constantly worrying about it, what could, what couldn't happen. And it was scary graduating and taking the business full time because, you know, I didn't have a set paycheck like some of my friends or healthcare or, you know, it's adding to my 401k like them. So by constantly thinking about what I had to do, I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I can set myself up for not only my future, but you know, if I want to be able to afford to do certain things and take the business to a point, like understanding that is something that almost becomes a little obsessive. How many hours do you sleep, Kat? Are you one of these four hour people? You know, I actually, when I was college, I half the time I was only sleeping four hours. When I was doing organic chemistry class, just starting the business, hence which my major I was studying for all these exams because I knew if I wanted to get into medical school, I had to get this certain grades and perform on certain tests and things like that. So I burned out after a semester. That was the most exhausted I ever was in my entire life. It, it wasn't healthy. I didn't enjoy that at all. And so now I make sure that I'm getting between six to eight hours um, of sleep. Otherwise, my whole next day, I'm, I feel like a different person if I can't get that much sleep. Six hours is very self-indulgent as an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally <laughs> spoiled when I get at least seven. Yeah. Between six and eight hours is hardly what I would call a lion. But when you have wallets to ship and tennis to play, I guess you have to take what you can get. Not everyone was gifted with the art of time management like Kat. Our next entrepreneur has tried to be more organized ever since starting her business, with varying success. Chicago and Myra Hernandez co-founded Back of the Arts Coffee Company with her business partner, Jesse Iniguez, in 2016. Like Kat, she also tries to organize her time into blocks, but it doesn't always work out. She has since learned that the first step to effective time management is to devote the first part of the day to yourself. Which is easier said than done when your business is your baby and having a business partner makes you feel like you're one half of a married couple. Time management is something I dread (laughs) because I, I guess I've always told myself I'm bad at it. Uh, Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a very creative person. I'm an artist and um, it's sometimes hard for me to 
to manage my time, to have like a strict schedule and, and to be able to follow that. But um, during the the beginning of of the pandemic back in March, where suddenly a lot of things came to a halt, I was able to kind of reset and figure out a type of time management um, set up, like structure that works for me. And I think for me to really, what made a big difference was having time for myself in the mornings, um, giving myself some time to, to journal, you know, do some stretching and yoga and then start my day that, that made a huge difference because prior to that, it was kind of like, you just wake up and go. And that started to become a little bit detrimental to my mental health. So now for me, time management is creating time blocks. So there's different things that I have to do throughout the day. Some of them are business related. Some of them are related to, to my art, to making time for my family and figuring out how many hours need to be dedicated to those different things. And then I can move those blocks around my schedule. So that's how, how I do it. I also work a lot better under pressure. So sometimes I just have to procrastinate and I have to accept that that is just how some of my best work comes about sometimes. And so try not to, to blame myself or shame myself for, for procrastinating because I do think that there's a lot of pressure from society to work in a perfectly time-managed world where everything follows a schedule, but you have to find what makes you feel good about yourself and forget what society expectations are trying to tell you. What about taking a break? How do you like to turn off? I think that turning off is very difficult. I think it's important to acknowledge that not everybody can just turn off. <laughs> I know that that was the case for me, especially in the first and second years of opening up the coffee house. I didn't know how to turn off. And so that that was detrimental to me. So I just, whoever's listening to this, like, if you feel that way, acknowledge it. You're not the only one feeling overwhelmed. Like you can't turn off all these thoughts at night or you can't sleep because you have so much going on. However, I think what change for me and what gave me the ability to turn off was realizing that the business didn't define me or my life. While it is very important to me and I love my business and I love what I, what I do, it isn't my entire life. And I think I had forgotten about that. I had to take a step back and realize that the business is just a part of who Myra is, but not not all of me. I'm also an artist. I'm also a big sister that likes to hang out with her siblings. I'm also a friend that needed to make time for her friends. So the moment that I was able to realize that, I was able to kind of step out of out of that that whole world of <laughs> the business that had consumed me. And and that suddenly gave me the ability to to turn off, I guess, and to go to bed and say, okay, you know what? I didn't finish what I had to finish today, but Tomorrow, I'm going to go visit my family. So I'm going to go to sleep early. So it's actually very liberating. Even though when you're in those situations where you have so much going on, you feel like you can't afford to possibly step away from that. Those are usually the moments when you do need to step away and really take care of yourself and, and your spirit and your, your mind. Um, so you can continue to function. And for the longevity of your business, it's necessary for you to be healthy first. Has anyone ever told you, take a break, Myra? Oh, yeah, all the time. I think my customers and my staff could probably see the stress in my face 
and they would tell me, go take a break. Why don't you go on vacation for a week or, you know, take up two days off. And I would actually get more upset <laughs> when people would tell me that because I, my mind immediately went to like, but you have no idea how much work I have to do. How can you possibly suggest I go on vacation when I have, you know, like X, Y, and Z things to do, but they were right. I needed to step away. How does it work when you have a business partner? How do you synchronize with Jesse? It's challenging because we, we do like, even with time management, we just have very different structures. We have different ways of, of doing things. I think that it ultimately just took accepting that we work differently to be able to move forward, right? What does help is that we have a very, very clear vision and mission about what we want this business to be. So when we do have a disagreement or we can't figure out how to do something, we can always go back to the vision and reflect on that. And then somehow that helps us kind of come together and, and make a, a decision together. But it is frustrating. I think the idea of having a business and working with business partners is romanticized, but it, it's very difficult. It's very challenging. It's, it is like a, what do you, like a marriage, like we're like a married couple. <laughs> we fight like a married couple, even though we're not married. I think ultimately you, you have to know why you're in business, why you're doing what you're doing and, and keep that vision in mind. And for us, it's keeping the community at the front of everything. How about the division of labor? Are there sometimes situations that are a bit like you do it? No, you do it. No, you do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sometimes you feel like, you know, you're the one that's doing all the work and you know, I might be thinking, how come I'm doing all the work? Yet he's thinking the same thing. How come I'm doing all the work? Um, so, I mean, I think it's normal for, at least I want to normalize the idea that business partners fight, that there is this uh, tension between business partners. And I think from from what I know from talking to other like business owners that have business partners is that we all, we each feel like we're doing all the work. We each feel like, the other person's not doing enough. But I think that comes from the amount of overwhelming responsibilities that you have as a business owner. It just feels like too much sometimes. So it does put you in a very stressful situation. Um, but I think what's important to realize is that there's a reason why you have a business partner, and that's because you bring different things to the table. And those different things that you bring, different characteristics, different values, are both equally valuable in their own ways. And, and we need to respect that. So sometimes I would be mad because I'm at the coffee house till midnight and I'm still cleaning and scrubbing floors. And I'm thinking like, how come he's not doing this? And I am, but he's working on, on trying to get us like contracts or getting more funding. So both things are equally valuable and essential to the growth and health of our business. My goodness, it does sound like a married couple. <laughs> now I know I never want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it all gets better once the kids go to college. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next time. Before you outsource to another company and spend a lot of money, try to set up your first 
phase of your store by yourself on a program like Shopify and just get some orders in and build from there. The first step for me from transitioning to online was building my website. And I started with Shopify because that was a really great, easy e-commerce platform. Make sure you have a product that's really, really strong. And then when the product's ready, then you launch a Shopify store. Damn, I need to get a referral link for Shopify. Everyone's like <laughs> waxing lyrical about it. It's, it's so good. That's it for this episode of Making It Work. Tell us what you think by rating this podcast, leaving us a comment, or sending an email to makingitwork at fedex.com. We read all of them. And if you want to listen to new episodes as soon as they're released, don't forget to subscribe. Have a wonderful start to 2021, everybody, and stay safe. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Nick Hawks, Myra Hernandez, Dahlia Rizek, and Kat Samargia. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Margri, written by Tom Scallon, and edited by Lars Blockenberg, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created this song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub in Memphis, Tennessee. The show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin. <laughs>